If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Games with Bill. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. This is episode 600. And 96, I am recording this on August 1st, 2022, live over at my YouTube channel, excuse me, youtube.com slash nerdnest, which really quickly, I want to say thank you to everybody who's gone over to that channel and subscribed because not even an hour ago, not even an hour ago, uh, I, we, the channel just hit and it's not showing up on the screen, so I have to I have to turn that on. We just hit 20,000 subscribers about an hour ago, which is just crazy to me. So a big thank you to everybody who's gone over to nerdnest.tv or youtube.com slash nerdnest and subscribed. Really, really do appreciate it. If you if you like having uh, hearing video game content without the console wars, that's a place that you want to check out. Uh, so anyway. Uh, I, like I said, I am doing this live. If you are here for the live show, then everybody gets to watch this. If you are not here for the live show and you want to watch uh, the video version of this podcast, then you can become a YouTube member and uh, then you can get access to the YouTube's uh, the, the video version of the show after the show is over. Or you can just listen to the audio podcast wherever podcasts are downloaded. Last thing that I'll say about the podcast and places where it's downloaded is if you want to get it early, you can check it out over at patreon.com slash run jump stomp because that's me. I'm at run jump stomp. All right, let's jump in. I asked a question uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I wanted to be able to have a conversation about this on the show because it's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And it's not uh, anything that has a hard and fast answer. But my question was, and I asked it at both on our community Discord, and I asked the question on Twitter. Now, I had a bunch of people reply in both places, and I obviously can't include everybody's answer. Um, but I wanted to know, what do you consider to be retro gaming? I know for me, Whenever I think of retro gaming, and I don't, I don't think for a second that my definition is the correct definition, but my personal definition of retro gaming is 8-bit, 16-bit, and prior to that. Anything after 16-bit, in my opinion, not even in my opinion, but in my mind when I think about it, is not retro gaming. And so I was curious what everybody else thought of it, because I am aware, I'm painfully aware, that I'm a very old man. And I'm probably going to have a different outlook on this than other people. And if you are here for the live chat, answer that question in chat, and maybe I'll get to those uh, after I talk about the responses that I went and picked out of Twitter and Discord. Uh, This first one came in from Shy Guy, and uh, here's what they had to say. Um... 
this was on Twitter. They said, my mind says N64, PS1, or older. But a more fair definition is probably anything more than two generations old. And I, I saw a lot of people with answers that were similar to that, where they talked about the different generations. But then you have people like Stryker uh, on Twitter who said that, uh, for me, it's anything in the 8-bit and 16-bit era before or pre the CD-ROM. So basically, they were they were qualifying retro games as something that was available on a cartridge, which I thought was very interesting. And then I got this tweet from uh, Jem, who is a friend of the show and who has a, 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 a Twitch channel. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, it's at JemBearGaming. Uh, they said, for them, retro is SNES Genesis... Um, SNES generation and before, but then they qualified that by saying classic is PlayStation and PlayStation two generation. So they were differentiating between retro and classic gaming, which I thought was really an interesting way to look at it. Then I had a, uh, a message uh, on, on our community discord from Heisenthal. uh, And they said, for me, it's anything before loot boxes, NFTs, games releasing unfinished and required DLC to fix games before they are considered to be retro. I thought that that was really interesting because that's basically any game that came out before you had to actively worry about is this game going to be uh going to be shipped complete or is this game going to need to be updated at some point in order to fix the bugs that shipped with it. And that's a very interesting way to look at it. And then finally, we got a message from Darren on our community discord. They said to me, retro is before 3d graphics, but at some point the definition will expand kind of like Nirvana somehow now being considered classic rock. And I think that that's a a very, that's obviously the perfect way to summarize it is that, Retro gaming is different for everybody. Everybody has their own definition for retro gaming. And I, I think a lot of people feel like retro gaming is the games that existed when they were a kid. And for me, 8-bit, uh, 16-bit, previ- uh, prior to 8-bit, like that's the stuff that I grew up with that I that existed when I was a kid. I remember my first... Uh, video game console was either the Intellivision or the ColecoVision, and my friend had the opposite one, and I can never remember which one was which. Um, so, like for me, that's definitely retro. And then I saved up money by because we lived next to a golf course, and I went out into the woods next to the golf course and, and found golf balls, and then I sold them to uh, to golfers for like 25 cents a piece. And I saved up my, the money in order to buy my first Atari 2600 from a guy that worked at the store with my mom. And uh, it came with a bunch of games because I guess he had bought it and bought a bunch of games with it and then didn't have anything to do with it. So he was just looking to get rid of it. And he sold it to me for 50 bucks. It came with like 10 games or whatever, uh, games including like River Raid and stuff like that. So that's definitely retro gaming for me. And then eventually I got my hands on the NES and then the uh, Super Nintendo. 
And then, you know, you, you, you know, and then I also had you know, like dabbled in the Sega stuff too. So where does retro land for you? You can always hit me up uh, on Twitter at run, jump, stomp uh, Matt H in the live chat. They said an eight bit and 16 bit, but I have a lot of nostalgia for Xbox. Uh, Liam Two Allen said, I would basically give it to anything before the Nintendo DS and the Wii. Uh, Jeff Carrier is saying, whoa, epic beard. Thank you very much. Uh, my beard, I didn't have to do anything. It just grows on its own. Uh, and then finally, Mr. President Tom. Hello, Mr. President. Uh, they said on the Nintendo side of things, I think anything Game GameCube, Game Boy, Advanced, or earlier, probably because that's when I played it as a kid. Anyway, uh, love hearing uh, all of your opinions on that stuff. Let me know what you think about what defines a, a retro game. And uh, let's go ahead and move on to the news. The more game cartridges a video game system plays, the more fun it is. And speaking of retro, um, the next story is about the Sega Genesis Mini 2. I've talked about this on the show before. Um for those of you that don't know, the Sega Genesis Mini uh, was Sega's answer to the Nintendo NES Mini and then the Super Nintendo Mini. And the Sega Genesis Mini is actually pretty cool. Um, there were a couple of different Sega ones, I believe, that were like made by third parties. But then Sega said, you know what? We like what Nintendo did. They're selling like crazy. We're going to make one of our own. Uh, and it, it worked really well. I have one. I should have grabbed it before I started the show, uh, but but I didn't. But I have one. And then, of, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe a month ago, uh, Sega announced that they were bringing out these. Well, actually, they announced this a while ago, but I remember talking about it recently. Uh, but the Sega Genesis Mini 2, which is another like little plastic console that's going to have Sega Genesis games on it. And we don't yet know the full lineup of games because uh, Sega still has yet to unveil all of that. But like I said in the past that I really wish that this just had an online function so that I could just buy DLC for the piece of plastic that I already have instead of having like a bunch of different pieces of plastic with HDMI ports on the back, I would like to just have like one from Sega and one from Nintendo. And it made sense to me that Nintendo did the different ones because they were doing it based on different versions of the console. But Sega Genesis Mini and the Sega Genesis Mini 2, they are by definition both Sega Genesis Mini consoles. And yes, they are doing the updated design, with the six-button controller. So all of that is great, but it should have just been a download. However, this is this is not good news, I think. And this comes to us from Polygon.com. Um, <laughs> U.S. fans, if you want to get one of these Sega Genesis Mini 2s, they're going to be $120 to import it, okay? And they are going to have one-tenth the supply, according to Sega. One-tenth. So as many Sega Genesis Minis as were out there, they're only making one-tenth of the sequel to that, which means it's going to be really hard to get one. And if you want to get one, it's going to cost, and you're in the U.S., which most of my audience is. I know that I have people who listen to the show from all over the world, but most of my audience comes from the, new, from the U.S., 
and it's going to cost you 120 bucks to import that thing uh, into the U.S., which is is too bad. I think that these mini consoles are really cool ways for uh, for us to get access to retro games, which otherwise, a lot of times, the only way for us to to play those retro games is to pirate them via ROMs and emulation and stuff, or go to a, you know, like a store that sells used games and buy them for like hundreds of dollars because some of these games are really, really rare. And a lot of these uh, publishers, they like, they just won't re-release their games. Now, Sega, the reason I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I care about this is Sega puts out a lot of games. Um, first off that they're partnered with Nintendo for Nintendo switch online's expansion pass. So there's that like, you already have access to a lot of those games there. And then I own, I think I own it on PlayStation, and I know that I own it on Steam, and that's the Sega, uh, uh, not expansion pack, what's the word I'm looking for? The Sega, a bunch of retro games, like a Sega Genesis retro collection that Sega had put out officially on Steam, and I ended up buying those. So, like, my desire to pick up one of these plastic things that will then take up a HDMI spot on my TV kind of down there. Um, but then the fact that it's going to be hard to get, that's kind of rough if you ask me. Anyway, what do you guys all think about the Sega Genesis? Uh, what do they call it again? The Sega Genesis mini two. Uh, I'm curious what everybody thinks about that. Um, and I can still see people in chat are still, talking about uh, the last story, which is like, what is retro to them? Uh, real quick call back to before Mother Rat says, retro for me is N64, PS1, and before, I'm guessing that they are younger than me. All right, let's move on and talk about, oh man, this is, this is kind of ridiculous. Let's talk about Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 is a game that a lot of people have been looking forward to. If uh, if you've listened to my stuff for any length of time, you know that Overwatch 1 is my favorite multiplayer first-person shooter. I love that game. I played tons of hours on that on my PC, on my PS4. I think that that game is fantastic. I haven't played probably in a year, maybe a year and a half or so. It's been quite a long time since I played Overwatch, but I really like that game. And when they announced Overwatch 2, I was really impressed with what Blizzard was doing. Uh, first off, they were saying essentially that when Overwatch 2 comes out, all of the maps and heroes and modes that come with Overwatch 2 will go into Overwatch 1 automatically. And what does this do? It makes sure that they don't bifurcate their market, uh, making it, uh, you know, turning the multiplayer um overwatch experience into oh i don't have access to this map my friend does have access to that this map we can't play together or turn it into we've now split our player base in half and because we split our player base in half it now takes longer to get a match that would have been really bad and i like that they were doing that but then fast forward through COVID and everything. Overwatch 2 is finally coming out later this year. I believe it's October 4th, if I remember correctly. And uh, somebody in chat will let me know if I'm right or wrong, I hope. Um, but then they announced that it was just going to be a free-to-play game. And that they were shutting down Overwatch 1 
and rolling everything from Overwatch 1 into Overwatch 2, essentially turning Overwatch 2 into a continuation of Overwatch 1. And I absolutely have no problem with them doing that. Because one of the ways that they make money with Overwatch is by selling skins and, you know, basically selling... um, They also sell, like, loot boxes. I'm not a fan of loot boxes, but none of the things in Overwatch 2 affect gameplay. You just, you know, you're just getting skins and stuff so that your character looks different. And it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me that that's how they monetize. I'm not a fan of loot boxes because it feels like gambling to me. Uh, and it, it, for me, whenever a game includes gambling where you're exchanging real life money for something, for a chance at getting something that you want, then in my opinion, that game should automatically be rated M because gambling is a thing that kids shouldn't be doing. That's just my opinion. You could tell me all the reasons why I'm wrong in a moment. Um, but one of the ways that they monetize is by just straight up selling skins as well. You don't have to do the loot box. You can just be like, all right, I want that skin. It costs a thousand overwatch credits or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, so I'm going to buy some overwatch credits and then I will buy the skin that I want. Well, this story comes to us from VG247.com and that Overwatch 2 could have $45 skins. $45. So let me let me just make sure that I... You could buy a whole lot of games for $45, especially some really cool, cheap indie games. And yes, Overwatch 2 is completely free. They have to make the money somehow. This is a game with a huge, huge team. And I totally understand that they have got to find some way to make money with this game now that they are just giving it away to everyone. $45 for a skin, however, seems crazy to me. Now, this is coming from a survey from Overwatch 2. It was originally uh, reported by PC Games N. Uh, basically, there was a survey where they said, uh, "Would you be? How much would you be willing to purchase a Mythic skin at a price of forty four ninety nine? Um, a Mythic skin is like a really uh, rare skin or whatever, so it, it's hard to like get from the loot boxes. But forty five dollars for a skin. Now, again, I've said it a million times that. It's a free-to-play game. They have to make money somehow. It doesn't have any effect on gameplay. I'm not spending $45 on a skin. I don't care what it looks like. Would you spend $45 on a skin? I wouldn't. I think that that's crazy to me. But if that's what they have to do in order to make money, in order to support the game so that they can continue making content for the game, then that's probably okay. There's going to be people out there that'll buy it. Like that's the thing with these free-to-play games, that's the way that they work, is they work by you and I uh, play the game and we don't put any money into it because we're just we're just there playing and we're playing for free. And maybe we like sign up for a battle pass or something. But then there's those other people that are spending three, four grand a month on this game because it's their favorite game and they have lots of money. 
And you know what? If if you're somebody who has lots and lots of money and you're spending it at like three grand a month on Overwatch 2, more power to you if, if you've got the money to do that. I'm a public school teacher. I don't have the money to do that. So $45 for a skin in-game is the craziest nonsense that I've ever heard, and there's no way that I would do that. Uh, Mr. President Tom in chat said... I don't really care that they char- that they charge that much. I just don't under- understand why anyone would buy one. Alexander F. says, I usually play- pay $0 for skins, which is the best deal, I think. Uh, James U. says, skins should never cost that much unless they're adding game content. Uh, James U., when you say adding game content, what do you mean by that? Um, I don't want somebody to be able to pay... $45 in order to have something that I can't unless it's cosmetic. That would be bad because that would affect the balance of the game. I don't think that that's what James meant by that, but that's just the one way that you could interpret that. Anyway, uh, $45 for <laughs> 45 uh, for a skin in Overwatch just seems bananas to me. Absolutely crazy. All right, let's move on to PlayStation. Hello, Luke. Hey, listen. All right. Um, PlayStation just did an update. And a vast majority of the people who are playing games on their PlayStation, I've got a PS5 right here next to me. You could just barely see it if you're watching the video version. It's just on the right-hand side of my screen. Um, the PS5 just got a, a beta software update. And that supports... 1440p. Now, most TVs, most people have their PlayStations hooked up to a TV. I I would say a very small fraction of the people who have PS5s have them hooked up to monitors. Most people are going to have them hooked up to a TV. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe somebody like has data that shows that a lot of people have their stuff hooked up to monitors, but most TVs are 1080p or 4K. There's not a whole lot of TVs out there that are 1440p, but the new PS5 system software introduces 1440p support. Why would you want 1440p support? Well, because you can run your game at 1440p, which is a lower resolution than 4K, but that means that you can have a higher refresh rate. This is much better than running. I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. Let's say that you're playing a game and you have the choice between resolution mode and frame rate mode. I think they usually call it performance versus quality. And they might use different words or whatever. But let's say you're playing a game and you've got a choice between performance mode and quality mode. In performance mode, the game runs at 1080p, 60 frames per second. Awesome. In quality mode, the game runs at 4K, 30. Well, if you hook up your PlayStation to a 1440p monitor, a lot of 1440p monitors can run at higher refresh rates. We're talking all the way up to like 144 hertz. So... If you have one of those monitors and you hook up a PS5 to a 1440p monitor, well, if you've got the beta software, you're going to be able to run at a higher refresh rate, meaning a smoother gameplay experience, than you would if you are hooking it up to a 4K screen. 
this is really, really good because in my opinion, the sweet spot, and I have two 4K monitors in front of me, and I wish that I had not bought these 4K monitors. Not because they're, well, actually, that's not true. Sometimes I wish I had 1440p monitor as my gaming monitor that had a higher refresh rate. And the reason that I wish for that is just because it would be nice to be able to play games at, I don't know, 120 frames per second or something like that. That would be cool. However, at the same time, I do a lot of video editing and I have a lot of windows on the screen in front of me and being able to have all of those in a 4K monitor means that I can shrink them down and still read them. But at the same time, I think I think my Windows machine like is automatically scaling. I know that the Mac does, but I think the Windows machine is automatically scaling stuff at 150%, which means that this would be the same layout on a 1440p monitor. So yeah, I wish that I had picked up a 1440p monitor instead of a 4K monitor because then I would be able to take advantage of that. Anyway, I think that it's really cool that uh, PlayStation is supporting 1440p. I don't know how many people are actually going to be taking advantage of that. If you are one of those people, let me know what you guys think about that. Uh, 1440p, I think, is really, really good. In addition to that, they also added in game lists for organizing your games. Um, Hey, Nintendo, you might want to take a page out of that and figure out how, how to let people organize their games on their Nintendo Switch. My daughter was over with my grandson the other day, and she was asking about like games on Switch because she was looking at getting a new one. And she was like, she was asking about the new WarioWare. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have that. And so I grabbed my Switch and I was like looking for it forever. It took me forever to find it because I had it organized by like alphabet or no, not alphabet by like playtime or something. And I was just looking around and I've got hundreds of games on my Switch. So it was kind of a hassle to find. It would be really nice if you could like categorize games by genre or whatever. Anyway, um, so Nintendo, get game lists. Xbox, I don't know if Xbox has game lists or not. They also have some new social features and more. Uh, and you should get a mail. Uh, this is from, let's see, that was the 28th. So that was a couple of days ago. So check your mail if you're a, bar- a beta participant. You might actually have access to get 1440p. I'm curious how many of you are running at 1440p. Um, Let's see. Alexander F in chat says, I'm not too familiar with consoles. Can they do 1440p and then upscale to 4K? I'm sure that they can. Whether or not they can do it um, like with FSR, like that kind of thing, I don't know. Because for me, when you're playing a console, it's super simple. You just sit down and you play whatever it shows you. And I usually just pick performance mode and don't look back. But it would be really nice for people who have those 1440p monitors to be able to say, oh, yeah, 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 I know what I got. I got a 1440p monitor. Like, give me that because that's going to be the best experience. Um, upscaling it to 4K, I don't know if if that would be a detriment to your frame rate. So I'm not sure about the answer to that, Alex Alexander. Uh, interesting question. All right. Continuing on with Sony. Last episode. I told you all about Meta's ridiculous, um, ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous idea to raise the price of the MetaQuest 2 by $100, right? I said last time, that's a stupid move. 
and it's uh, anti-consumer. And I know what they're saying. They're they're like, oh, because of the chip shortage and everything, it makes it really hard for us to get these parts. So we got to raise the price. Um, your Facebook, you got Facebook money. You don't need to raise the price like that. But then what happens next is other console makers get asked the question. They get us the question, are you going to raise your price? Now, Sony recently said, hey, we just increased production for the holiday season. And actually, before we get back to that price increase, I want to talk about that for just a second. Because that is a huge illustration to people of how slow the gaming industry moves. I see this all the time where they will see something happening in the gaming industry and they will say, ah, this is in response to this, which just happened. So because X happened, this thing Y just happened. Well, here we are in July and Sony is ramping up production for the holiday season. The gaming industry moves really slowly. You've got these huge companies and they cannot pivot that fast. So that's just uh, an illustration of how slow things go. Um, Anyway, Sony was then asked, are you going to raise the price of the PS5 because it's so hard to keep in stock right now? And Sony said they have nothing specific to share. About a potential price increase for the PS5, at this point, there's nothing specific I can share with you about prices. Uh, This is from the firm's financial uh, bigwig, Hiroki Totoki, uh, and they were talking to Video Games Chronicle. Uh, Of course, like I said, this was in response to uh, Meta raising their price of the MetaQuest 2. I mean, look, could Sony get away with that? Probably. They probably could. We have all these massive corporations making ridiculous amounts of money, just absolutely ridiculous amounts of money, and then passing those, passing, uh, like, by not lowering prices, and they're they're basically saying, hey, look, the pandemic happened, it's inflation. But it's not really inflation if all these companies are making stupid amounts of money. But they can hide behind that inflation in order to raise their prices and, and increase profits, which they are obligated to do as a publicly traded company. They are, every publicly traded company is obligated to its shareholders to maximize profits. So could they do that? Oof, they could, and they could probably get away with it. But I wouldn't be happy with about that. In your base in chat says, raising the price after a price has been established is, and they said BS. <gasps> we all know what that means. Anyway, uh, so that's what they think about that. You guys let me know, do you think, like, would you pay more for a PlayStation 5 than $500. Because right now, if you want to get a PlayStation 5 disc system, it's $500. If you want to get a PlayStation 5 digital, it's $400. And then you've got the Xbox Series S sitting at $300. Is it $300? I think it is. And then you have the Xbox Series X sitting at $500. Would you pay more than $500 for one of those consoles? And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people would. And we know that they would because we constantly see scalpers buying them and selling them for a huge, huge profit. 
Uh, in your base does say that they could, but consumers would remember that in an unkind way. I think consumers have a really, really short attention span and short memories too. Um, while you might remember it in an unkind way and I might remember it in an unkind way, I think most people just like, they're going to forget that 15 seconds after they buy that thing and bring it home. Anyway, uh, there you have it more expensive. Why that's ridiculous to me. Anyway, last PlayStation story before we move on and talk a little bit more about, um, Xbox. And then I, and then I want to talk about, actually, I want to talk about Nintendo before Xbox, but last PlayStation story is they just shipped the iPhone controller, the Backbone One. Now, I have, uh, it's not in here, it's not where I can reach it. I have a controller for my phone. I cannot remember what it's called. I think it's called the GameSir 2. And it's not bad. Um, but the Backbone controller, uh, one of my one of my buddies and the co-host on uh, one of my other shows, On Deck, uh, he has a backbone controller. He likes it a lot. He says he doesn't really use it all that much, even though he likes it. Uh, and that's like, I think how I would be too. But PlayStation just sold one and it's got official PlayStation buttons and stuff. You hook it up to your phone and everything. And it's a hundred dollars, which seems kind of expensive. But then again, you know, you see like, you see really expensive controllers out there. Like I think the Xbox fancy dancy one is $250 for that one. Maybe it's 179. I can't remember, but $99 for this uh, thing that clamps onto the side of your uh, phone. I don't think I would personally use it, but with uh, Sony introducing uh, PS plus premium, I think is that is the highest version of their PS plus stuff. Uh, with them introducing premium and having a bunch of cloud stuff to go along with that, my guess is that this would be really good if you are a subscriber to that. And I'm I'm not a subscriber to that, so I, I can't test this out. But I'll bet you that you can play those games on your phone and stream them to your phone the same way that you can with xCloud and with Stadia and with GeForce Now and stuff like that. Uh, so if you want to get specific PlayStation buttons, then now you can with the Backbone 1. I think that this is good. It's not for me. But I think it's a good thing because there's nothing I can I, there's nothing I hate more than going to play a game and it gives me a button prompt like press X and I look at my controller and I don't know where X is because you know I've got the Xbox controller here or maybe I've got the Nintendo Switch controller or maybe I've got the PlayStation controller and X is in a different place on all of them. I really like having the correct button prompts uh, in front of me. So there's that. All right, real quick, uh, we're going to talk about Nintendo. Here we go. Buy an Odyssey 2 now and get $82 worth of free games, including Pickaxe Pete. All right, here we go. Nintendo, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I was really looking forward to Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I really liked Xenoblade Chronicles 1 when I played it on my 3DS. I adored Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Nintendo Switch. I somewhat enjoyed Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U, though most of what I didn't like about that was the idea that uh, <laughs> was the horrible, awful music that was too loud in some places. Like, you would be playing and in a dialogue scene, and then the music would come on, and you couldn't hear what the characters were saying anymore. It was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, hold on a sec. Just had to type something real quick. Anyway, um, 
Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I was all re- I'm glad I didn't pre-order it because I saw some of the reviews that are coming out. And the reviews are all like nine. It's a 10. It's the best game of the year. It's awesome. And you'd be like, that doesn't make sense, Bill. Why are you happy that you didn't order it if it's uh, such a great game? I saw a review that said Xenoblade Chronicles 3 earns every minute of its 140 hour campaign. I'm going to say that again. 140 hours. That's a lot. And I don't know if it's because I'm really old, as we established earlier. I am. I don't know if it's because I'm really old, but when a game advertises 140 hours in order to finish it, that that scares me away. And so I did not pick up Xenoblade Chronicles 3, even though I was really, really looking forward to it. Anyway, if you picked it up, tell me all the reasons why I'm wrong. Uh, at Run Jump Stomp. Let's move on to Xbox. The Atari video computer system is 20 cartridges with 1,300 game variations you play on your own TV set. All right. Xbox Series X and S remain Xbox's fastest-selling console ever. This is according to IGN. Uh, They were talking to Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, and they said they've sold more consoles life-to-date. That means from when the console came out to date. So... If the if the console came out on January 1st and we're sitting here on August 1st and then you compare that to the same number of days for the previous console, that's what they mean when they say life to date. They have sold more consoles life to date than any previous generation. That is really good. Now, of course, they are not differentiating between Series S and Series X. And I'm curious, for me, the selling point of picking up an Xbox Series X, which you can, can't see because my piece, my, well, you can just barely see it on the, on the video because my PS5 is in the way. Um, the reason I picked that up is because of Game Pass. Game Pass is a ridiculous deal. I love Game Pass. I've played so many games that I otherwise wouldn't have played thanks to Game Pass. And it, it it's the best deal in gaming. It just and it just keeps getting better. Uh, anyway, I just thought that that was very interesting. That even though they are really hard to get a hold of, um, part of it is because of the chip shortage, but another part of it is because people are buying them and buying them fast. And uh, uh, that's just really impressive. Oh, speaking of Xbox, uh, I saw a video. I didn't put it in the show notes. I saw a video this morning where they were talking about Xbox Cloud Gaming, and they saw. I'm going to I'm going to do this from memory an 18 1800% increase in people playing Xbox Cloud Gaming year over year. Now, I have played Xbox Cloud Gaming. I have GeForce Now 3080 tier. I have Stadia Pro. Of the 3 of those, Stadia is absolutely the best experience of streaming your games. Microsoft got a lot better. GeForce Now is equal to, or maybe even a little bit better than Stadia at this point. But Xbox is still in last place. Oh, actually, then there's Luna. I would say Xbox is... is I, I'm not sure where they are in comparison to each other because I only played Luna a little. Um, but Xbox is definitely not, in the, not one of the front runners as far as the experience of playing games in the cloud. 
And everybody who plays games in the cloud, they're going to have different experiences because there, we, are, we have different routers, we have different distances from the data center, all that stuff that I've talked about a million times before uh, here on the channel. And uh, Microsoft seeing an 1,800% increase is really impressive to me. Anyway, uh, let's move on and talk real, uh, real quick. I'm going to finish up the show uh, by talking about a company that continually shoots themselves in the foot, in my opinion, and that's Ion Neo. Have you played Atari today? Ion Neo, uh, boy, they can't get out of their own way. Every time that they announce a handheld, the next, like, within a couple of months, they announce another handheld. Now, I've talked about this on the channel before about the Steam Deck. My current favorite gaming experience is, is playing on the Steam Deck. And I've talked about how often should they update the Steam Deck. And I've said many times that I feel like they should update the, the Steam Deck probably every other year. Okay, so you buy it. Two years later, the next one comes out. But, but people get mad at me for that because they didn't really understand my argument. My argument was, I buy it. Two years later, the next one comes out. You buy the next one. Two years later after that, I buy the third one. Two years after that, you buy the fourth one. So it's got like this tick-tock cycle. That allows them to update more often so that the hardware doesn't fall too, bar too far behind. That is not what Ion Neo is doing. Ion Neo... They are bringing them out like nonstop. And what I think that that does is it scares away potential customers. This thing could be really cool. Now, the form factor I'm not a fan of. I don't like where the, the right thumbstick is. It's down. It's like they're copying the Nintendo Switch for the right thumbstick. I think that the Steam Deck has a much better placement for that right thumbstick near the top of the, the system. But the Ion Neo 2... Um, Every time they bring out a new system, uh, like a little bit after that, they bring out another one. And I feel like a lot of customers are looking at that and they're like, okay, that's really cool. But if I just wait, then I can get the next one. And I just think that Ion Neo is making a big mistake by doing that to their customer base over and over and over. Nobody ever feels confident about buying that system because they don't know when they're going to suddenly have a new one that's going to... Uh, put all their stuff, uh, make, make it make it too, uh, God, what's the word that I'm looking for? Make it obsolete. They, you never know when they're going to make that system that you just bought obsolete. Uh, Andre Vandal in chat says, it scared me. Too many options also. Um, Zombie Jesus says, it takes about a year to get a Steam Deck. Why would you want one to come out every two years? Just because it took a year for the first set to come doesn't mean that it'll always take that long. Think of it this way. Um, Valve started the Steam Deck. They didn't know if it was going to succeed, right? So they make it, and they very, very limit those, the, like, the, they put a lot of constraints on how fast they're going to make them. And because of that, they are really hard to get. Now, as the, as the orders come in, Valve says, okay, it looks like this might be a success. Let's increase the supply because the worst thing that can happen is for them to make a whole bunch of them. And then they just sit there in a warehouse somewhere and nobody buys them. And Valve was 
and I didn't talk to anybody at Valve about this, but Valve did the right did the right thing, and they said let's limit who can buy it. We'll slow everything down and make sure that we don't get out ahead of our skis. Well, it turns out the skis got out ahead of Valve, and those things are just running out uh, r- running out the door. And so Valve has increased production, and they even just said that if you've bought one or if you've pre-ordered one, you will get yours by the end of the year. And I think that's going to continue to get better uh, as they they uh, refine the manufacturing process and increase the number of places that are making them. That's going to make it better. Now, why would I want it every two years? Remember, I said that I would buy this one, the one that I have on my desk. I, yeah, the one I, I have this one right here. And then when the next one comes out, I don't buy the next one. I wait until the third one comes out, and that's the one that I get, which means you get it every four years. But that also means that the Steam Deck hardware doesn't fall behind with PC computing. I think that that's an important thing. I think it's ridiculous what Ian Neo is doing, though. They're going way too fast, and they're leaving people behind. So that's a that's a mistake, in my opinion. Um, and Alexander F. says, if you order now, it takes three to four months, apparently. Yes, it does. That's only going to get better as the chip shortage gets fixed. Uh, anyway, that's it for today's episode of Games with Bill. Thank you guys for hanging out with me, especially those of you who came here to the live show. Again, youtube.com slash nerdnest is the channel. And if you are here for the live show, there is a link, uh, another video that is linked right up at the top of chat. Please go ahead and click on that. If you want to get access to these episodes before anybody else, head on over to patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. I will see you all next time. Stay awesome, everybody. Bye-bye.